It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Presented by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Oh, I wish I, we could share all the stories that we talk about out here, but we can't. 402-464-5685, start a heavy text line. Honda Lincoln Hotline, if you want to jump in the conversation. I know Chris Raff is already ready to, to chime in. Uh, as a matter of fact, Chris, you could probably call in. Um, we'll uh, do this. Really the, want the, to. the live video stream is up, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and now live on Twitter. On the Twitters. On the Twitter. The Twitter. Um yeah, I just I'm constantly in search of more information about the programs here. Um and then you go back in history and I try to kind of re-remember different segments of Nebraska history from the outsider perspective. Like so no matter where I was in the country, it's at at some level I was following Nebraska athletics. And because of that, you remember them in a certain way. You remember them how you remember them, not how how they always were. So last night, they again, you know, Big Ten Network, and they they went back through 1997, um, 1996, and 1997, and what it was like in the program, what it was like being around the programs, and. I couldn't remember because they start talking about, well, you know, Scott didn't choose Nebraska. He chose Stanford. Mm-hmm. And so while he was at Stanford playing, you know, offense and defense, he, he then decided that wasn't the place for him, so he wanted to come back to Nebraska and play for the Huskers. And immediately my first question was, well, who was the quarterback? In the year that Scott Frost was on the practice team, who was Nebraska's starting quarterback? The year that he was on the – wasn't that Tommy Frazier? So Scott's Scott came back mm-hmm. in ninety five. Ninety five no ninety six. Ninety six. Was not Tommy Chris? Frazier. Is that Raf? Thank you, Mark. Tommy was done after ninety five. Thank you. So we're, we're I wanna go through the history of this thing and it's really good. I I was gonna actually uh call Steve Taylor and Aaron Davis, but Chris Raff is called in. He's on the Honda Lincoln Hotline. Let's bring Raff in. Raff, how you doing this morning, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So when we started talking about quarterback history and ref goes, this is right down my lane. This is my jam. So let's bring you in and have you have the conversation with us because I was trying to to line up all of Nebraska quarterbacks as far back as we could. And so I said, in fairness, I remember Nebraska when I was in college. So I got to college in 1980. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good with that. Right. So I am not. Walk <laughs> us through because when what I remembered was Jeff Quinn. Yep, you're correct. 1980. Right. That 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 Quinn and what he did. How would you give me a quick breakdown scouting report on Jeff Quinn? Well, I the scouting report I really don't have, but I have an awesome Jeff Quinn story. I'm all for it. Give it to me. So Jeff Quinn's parents moved into the neighborhood where I grew up 
Well, when Jeff left Nebraska, he backed up Terry Bradshaw for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was one. It was one summer. The word started getting around the neighborhood. Terry Bradshaw and Jeff Quinn have really been great friends for since he went to Pittsburgh. So Terry Bradshaw came to our childhood neighborhood one summer. So that was like the the huge thing. So we got to actually see Terry Bradshaw, and that was. Oh, God, I think 1981, 82, I believe. So mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Jeff Quinn, he, he was a decent quarterback, um, decent mobility. Took him to a bowl passer. game. Took him to the bowl game. Yep, yep. Uh, and then so was- and then I remember, and the, and the, the only reason I remembered it was because there was a young lady I went to school with who was cousins with this guy. And Mark Maurer. Correct. Like, I, and I thought, I, I understood who it was, and I paid attention to it. He started the season. I don't remember how the rest of the season went for them in 1981. Uh, there was a bowl game. It was – oh, gosh, I'm trying to think if Mark Maurer and Nate Mason, if they sort of flip-flopped back and forth. Yeah. I know that Nate, Nate Mason was in that – was right in there. So, And that was just leading up to the – the, you know, one of the greatest ones of all time, in my opinion. Well, let's go into it. I was gonna. Is Turner Gill early or late eighties? No, nope, Turner Gill is right there. Okay. So you got Turner That's... Gill stepped into the starting role in eighty two, and then he had a oh gosh, I believe it was a leg injury. That so then Nate Mason actually had stepped into that step stepped into that role at the end of the year. And so then it was Turner, Turner, and Nate Mason in '82. So, the, so the '80, the '80 team went. And again, this is this is framing current condition circumstances to what it was back then, even pre Coach Osborne winning titles. That this team went. They went to the Sun Bowl. They finished ten and two, six and one in the Big Eight. Uh, then the '81 team. Uh, finished nine and three under Coach Osborne. Uh, they were still running the five two defense. Uh, this was the team that lost twenty two fifteen to Clemson in the in the Orange Bowl, and then eighty two with Turner Gill. Uh, they go twelve and one, finish number three. Yeah, I believe they played LSU that year. The crazy thing about that Clemson game in eighty one was everything fell into place that day for Nebraska to actually win the national championship that night in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. It was crazy that they I think they were they were it went into that game like six or seven and they needed like three teams to lose and it all fell into place that night. But I believe it was Homer Jordan, the quarterback for Clemson, and they got their title that night. I think it was Coach Coach Ford, if I yeah, that was Danny Ford. Danny, it was Danny yep. Ford. Uh, I, I I'd seen that Clemson team three times that year because I was still hanging around in the ACC, and yeah, Clemson was impressive. <laughs> uh, they they were impressive, and it was scary. Um, we're talking to Chris Raff, uh, and again through a lot of the stuff that's in play, right? That the program can be identified through Coach Osborne and these quarterbacks. Be, right, the, the progression, the natural progression of greatness. Um, you could also do this with running backs, which is the thing I'd, I'd, I'd probably like to do tomorrow is to go all the way back and go through the running backs um, through the course of this thing. But 82, 
they go and uh, they go to Orange Bowl and they beat LSU. 20, you're right. They beat LSU twenty-one to twenty. Uh, go twelve and one. They're they're undefeated for the first time. They're undefeated in Big Ten uh, in the Big Eight, uh, and that's a big deal because now with the triplets in play, there's an well, opportunity. That, sorry to interrupt. That eighty-two season was another year they probably should have won the national championship. Right. That was the year at Penn State where the guy clearly caught the ball out of bounds, and so that that cost Nebraska undefeated season and probably a shot at the national championship that year. And they, they were loaded that year. They had um, Roger Craig and Mike Rozier in the backfield. So that was a <laughs> quite the combination. Well then ton of awards, ton of awards in that thing. Yeah. The, the, the loss to Penn state, the 27, 24 loss to Penn state uh, down in, uh, that was over in, uh, at university park. It, this, this is when it was, you know, Beaver stadium, university park. Yep. Um, and then, but then they go on a roll. They they go down to Jordan Hare and they beat Auburn uh, pretty soundly, um, forty one to seven. They go to Colorado and and load up on them. The the, the exploring, uh, the scoring explosion continues <laughs> versus Kansas State. They have the 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 face to face battle with Missouri uh, with Missouri here at Memorial. They blow out Kansas. They blow out Oklahoma State. They blow out Iowa State. Uh, and then they get to Oklahoma, and they beat Oklahoma in a brawl here at Memorial Stadium, twenty-eight twenty-four. So, man, remember the days where you're actually talking about you know twelve win seasons as they were. Nineteen eighty-three, Raf. What do you remember uh, before uh, the debacle uh, finished? Oh, what do I remember? Eighty-three, eighty-three. I remember. It was almost a foregone conclusion that Mike Rozier was going to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember everybody knew it. I still remember. God, that would, would have been a, a really young kid. And I still remember me and my dad were like, "We got to go down to Stacy's locker room, pick up a football. We're going to autograph day, and we got to get a Mike Rozier autograph because nice. he's winning the Heisman Trophy, and he did not let down that year. Let me tell you. What What was that like? I mean, listen. The Jet had already won the Heisman, but that sort of year for Rozier, what was that like to follow this team and the, the explosion? It was, it was, it was crazy. I remember where it really kind of hit its peak was um, there was Time Magazine, and in the top right corner there was a picture. It was after the Syracuse game. And there was a little slice of Mike Rozier on the top right corner of Time Magazine, and that's where they would – they pretty much coined Nebraska the greatest team of all time. So that that was just a insane year. That that offense was so crazy. Here I mean, the, they were the scoring explosion. Yeah, I think they had one game against Colorado. They racked up. I think it was forty-two points in the third quarter. This it was is nuts. this is so. Here's what they scored. They scored forty-four against Penn State, number four Penn State in the season opener, <laughs> which. Open the door and let everybody know, okay, this is going to be different. They got 56 against Wyoming. Uh, they got 84 against Minnesota. They got 42 against UCLA. They got 63 against Syracuse. Uh, they had a week off, and they played poor, poorly offensively against Oklahoma State. They only had 14 points. They bounced back 34 against Missouri, 69 against Colorado, 51 against Kansas State, 72 versus Iowa State, 67 versus Kansas. Oh, and then they put the 28-21 win over Oklahoma 
uh, down in Norman before they went down to the Orange Bowl. Is it, it would it be true to would it, would it be fair to say that if the two point conversion happens, that this team is talked about as the greatest team ever? Yep, definitely they would they would be they would be right up there. It would, and I, I think that was like. We always talk about it, like me and AD. You know, I know there's a, there's some players off that team that are like, man, I wish we would have kicked that extra and at least got the ring and stuff like that. But that night, I felt like they were, they were playing Miami, but they were also playing against history. That mm-hmm. if they make that two point conversion, you know, they're known as the greatest team of all time. We don't we don't talk about that defensive unit. That defensive unit held again. They held Penn State to six points. Uh, they held UCLA to 10 points. They held Syracuse to 7. They held Oklahoma State to 10. They held Missouri to 13. They held uh, Colorado, you know, they got 19, but it wasn't that, it wasn't a big deal because they were just getting it done. If you don't give up 31 points against Miami, again, th- this team is one play from being legitimately considered the greatest college football team ever. That's amazing. Yep. And then it's funny, too, the Minnesota game, they went up. Uh, Lou Holtz was the coach for Minnesota and um, they back in the, well, their travel squad, I think that you could only take, was it like 60 some players or whatever on their travel squad. So what happened was coach pulled out the starters and put in his backups. Well, the backups got tired. So you'll notice in that Minnesota game, <laughs> Turner Gill and Mike Rozier and Irving fire are back in the game in the third and fourth quarters because his backups were got to, too tired of scoring points so that was always <laughs> an interesting thing about that game was it's like why was turner gill and mike rozier still playing it late late in the game well what happened was the the backups got tired so he had to put his starters back in guys do you want thicker fuller hair do you desire lustrous luscious locks that you can run your fingers through maybe a full head of hair makes you feel attractive perhaps a full head of hair boosts your confidence and self-esteem Whatever your reasons, if you have started to experience hair loss, there is good news. Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S.-licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then, Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. So, guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to ro.co slash fuller. Do it today, and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash fuller. Can you imagine the numbers Rosier has if he plays legitimately. You know games? how good your team has to be for your backups to get tired. Not used to performing. Not used to being out there. Like because that then, means that means your backups are in for such a long time that that they are getting tired. Like that's just crazy to me. And you look at um, Mike Rosier's statistics for that year. I think he averaged like seven point eight yards a carry or something crazy like that. And. In my opinion, Barry Sanders, you know, the greatest college running back of all time. That's the best I have seen. Mm-hmm. But if you would have played Mike Rozier, because you got to realize Mike was only playing half. He wasn't. He probably played probably that entire season. He probably played maybe three full games. Yeah. The, the rest of the year, he was out by halftime. 
like that Kansas game, his his senior day in Lincoln, I think he had 296 yards rushing, and I I don't think he even played the fourth quarter. He tells the story that he he, he had to, he, in his mind he prorated his numbers because that's the only way, for, out of fairness, that he could measure up. I um, we also talked, uh, <laughs> and again, great historians. Uh, are all over Lincoln, and when you start talking about that era of, of quarterback play and that era of football, but the great question is asked people right after Turner Gill, who was the starting quarterback for the Huskers? Who was the next starting quarterback for the Huskers? Uh-huh. You want you want the answer? Yes, or? I do. I can... Yes, I do. Craig, Craig Sundberg, right? And in a year where you've come off of the explosion, right? Yep. Was the expectation too great? Was the moment too great? What was it? Again, and full disclaimer, that following team, what, so 1984? Was that 84 85 that, that, that he takes over? Uh, 84. 84. That the 84 team goes 10 and 2, right? Yeah, and what was crazy about that <laughs> year was they started out rolling like. I remember Jeff Smith was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and it was like it was pretty much business as usual coming out of the gates that year. The one thing I'll say about the '84 team was I think the offense probably took a step back, but the defense took a step up. Mm-hmm. So if you would have took that '84 defense probably and put it with the '83 defense was good, but they were they were a year it was a year early. So if you would have had that 84 defense to the 83, then hands down, I don't think that there's any question. There probably wouldn't have been a two-point conversion in Miami. I think it would have been over quickly. But <laughs> Raph, we're, 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 and again, perspective, that coming off the offensive explosion and then the expectation of what this team is going to do offensively versus the reality, and the reality is, they scored 42 points, 38 points, 42 points, uh, 17 points, 33, 24, 62, 44, 41. <laughs> and they were disappointed to do so. Right? And I think the Syracuse game change is where Nebraska football changes because it gets kicked in the shins. And has to adjust because it's the 17-9 loss on the road. Pretty disappointing, no matter who you were playing against. And this team still had opportunity to get it right if they could finish against Oklahoma here at Memorial. They lose at 17-7. Yep. And I crazy just game, that um, what the Syracuse game? The crazy thing about that, the story they'll always tell about that game is Tom Rathman fullback San Francisco 49ers the first kickoff of that game a guy from Syracuse came down and get knocked him knocked him pretty like concussion wise and that was when they were like the Nebraska players were sort of like yeah we're in for a game today so mm-hmm. well well that's the rule is that you go after the biggest and the baddest and you punch him in the jaw and see what happens well that's what happens and the season and again perspective the season ends with with a pretty dominant win over L, uh, uh, over LSU in the Sugar Bowl, that was thirty to fifteen. Twenty eight ten. Twenty eight ten. Okay. Right, and so again they finish ten and two in nineteen eighty four, and then nineteen eighty five comes along, 
And Raph, do you do you have do you remember who takes over there? I'm gonna go with Travis Turner. You are correct. Started the season, uh, started the season, started the season opener, but then uh, McCathorn uh, Clayton takes over. Yep. Pretty quickly. Now, what kind of season do you think you're having where your quarterback is replaced in the opening game? What kind of season do you expect to have? They lose to Florida State, number 17 Florida State, at home, 17-13. Things could go remarkably wrong, except the following week. Face number 20, Illinois, they put up 52 points. They blow out Oregon 63 to nothing. <laughs> you beat beat up on New Mexico, you beat number 5 Oklahoma State. That's a good one, right? That's a loaded game. Do you do you do you recall that one at all at all? That Oklahoma State game? Oklahoma State They I, win it 34. They win it 34. Go, I think it was I want to say Rusty Hill, Rusty Hilger. Rusty Hilger. Yeah. Is it Rusty or Dusty? It was Rusty. Rusty. It was Rusty. Rusty. What was the score of that game? Thirty-four twenty-four. They win it down in Stillwater. Um, yeah, which which I thought was a was was big because Missouri was next, and they were going to have to go on the road to Missouri, and it seemed like a game that Missouri was going to find a way to beat Nebraska, except for the Huskers figure out a way to win, and then they come home and face Colorado. They knock off a tough Colorado team, seventeen-seven. They thump Kansas State. They blow out Iowa State. Of course, they route Kansas. And then, once again, the season comes down to Oklahoma, uh, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day-ish, and yep. not the best performance, a 27-7 loss to Oklahoma. Yep, I believe that was the um, 27. Yep, I think that was the Keith Jackson end around, I believe, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yep. <laughs> went 88 yards, I think, on a tight end reverse. <laughs> so. But this is why, like, for the moments of it, right? And then they go to the uh, – I forget which bowl – the Fiesta Bowl. And I believe it was one of the very first Fiesta Bowls maybe um, where they go and they take on number five Michigan and they lose 27-23. But this team uh, finishes 9-3 and three, uh, with quarterback changes and other. And I think you can identify quarterback play with a lot of the records that we're talking about. Uh, Raph, that was eighty. That was eighty-five. That 85. was eighty-five. That was eighty-five. So, and I believe I I could be wrong on that twenty-seven twenty-three game, but I'm pretty sure there was a freshman quarterback that was wearing number eleven that day that actually came into the Fiesta Bowl and played. Mm-hmm. Set the table. And can can you name that number eleven? Set the table. Uh, wore a different number. We know him yep. as a different number. <laughs> Do you, uh, we we know him as a different number. Uh, Taylor Made is what we would. That's who we're talking about. That's who and we that would was... identify with. Do we, Raph? Let me ask you I, I, again. I think of it. Remember, I'm I'm I, I've looked at Nebraska athletics from ten thousand square feet, uh, ten thousand feet above. And my recollection of Steve Taylor was, I thought he's going to have a better career than Turner Gill. That was the expectation outside of Nebraska. Just because I remember Steve being drafted at baseball. 
And I thought, okay, there are too many correlating paths between Steve Taylor and Turner Gill. What, how, how, where do you place Steve Taylor amongst all-time Nebraska quarterbacks? Where do you put him? I would have him in my top five. Right? Definitely, definitely my top five. Right? Because you got, you got Tommy at one. Which, in my opinion, Tommy is the greatest the greatest quarterback in the history of college football, and I, I'll sit I'll sit and argue that point all day long with people. So I got Tommy at one mm-hmm. as the greatest Nebraska quarterback. Oh, gosh, it's funny, you know. We always talk about the greatest running backs in history, but the greatest quarterbacks, like I've never really sat down and thought about it. Probably Tommy at one, Turner at two. Oh, I man. had Taylor at three. And and I said this to somebody the other day because they wanted they said you know they want to put Brooke there and I thought n- yes and no that I thought what Steve when Steve ended his career he led in rushing attempts he, rushing attempts by a quarterback over the career rushing net yards gained by a quarterback in a single game um, most rushing yard net yards gained by a quarterback in a career and that's all up until 1988. Right? And he had an ab- absolute cannon for an arm. Yeah. He could he could he could sit flat-footed and I guarantee you he'd throw the ball 65 70 yards flat-footed. I mean, he he had that he had that motion. It was I mean, he wouldn't even step in the throw sometimes and I mean that ball would just pop off his hand. It he had he had an amazing arm, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I just I remembered being in the circle of folks who, who would talk about the multiple sport athletes, and we kept thinking that that was a time where quarterbacks across America were playing multiple sports, and most a lot of them had baseball opportunities and had to make a decision on whether they were going to do one or the other. And and we would argue that like Steve would have been had had a much better baseball career than he had in football, even going you know Canadian Football League. So. Okay, so if give me your top five in quarterbacks all time. Give me the give me that top five. We'll go to break. All right. So we got Tommy at one, uh-huh. Turner at two. Uh-huh. I'll put I'll put Steve at three. Okay. Um. Oh, this is where people always I get in trouble with people because <laughs> <laughs> I, you're, look, nobody's going to agree on the top five. So. I, I, you know, you probably got to look at Jerry Taggy at four. I mean, two national titles. Taggy was a got stud. It. Jerry Taggy was a stud. <laughs> yep, and he put in and he put in you know years at Green Bay. So I'd go Jerry Taggy at four, five. I man, you you could say Crouch, Crouch, but Crouch to me was foot. He was a football player, but you could go Crouch at five. Like Brooke, I loved Brooke. I knew Brooke. I worked out with him when he was getting ready to go to the NFL. Um, Brooke was a great, great, great guy, great teammate, and he had he had the you know the the abilities that he was going to be you know that he would play in the NFL. I thought he'd probably be a backup quarterback in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he would have done it for a long time. And but. But as like top five, like if you just look at Nebraska, like just playing at Nebraska, I don't know if you put him in the top five. I, when it comes to teammate person stuff like that, definitely probably number one. But I don't know if I would, I would if he, you'd throw him in the top five because there's been, 
So yeah, five's kind of a toss up for me. Well, well, because... well, well, you know, you 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 you're not you can't you're as I would tell Tom Stevens, you're you're absolutely right and you're probably wrong. <laughs> That's yep. no matter what you put, no matter what five you put in the place, um, it's all there. And this, but this is the discussion, and I don't think I think you can talk to to a hundred Husker football fans, fanatics, and none of them are going to have the same five. At quarterback, and that's kind of why I wanted to have the discussion was just to go through it, how you remember things versus how you re-remember them when you find out if you put the stats of Steve Taylor and Eric Crouch together, you'd have an interesting conversation. <laughs> that's, oh yeah, Definitely. that's all I'm saying. You got it. Well, you, you even you got you got that same that same issue with the the quarterbacks that have played in the current times. I mean, you could I make a case for Zach Taylor or Joe Gans to be that number five. That's, I mean, they, that's they what put I want. up some, some great statistics, you know, and Joe Gans, I mean, I think if he would have got a couple years to start, things might've been a lot different for, for Nebraska. I mean, he was a heck of a player. It's uh Raph, Can you, can you hang on? You betcha. All right. We're going to go to break. We'll continue the quarterback conversation here on one-on-one. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One-on-One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.